Yeah, you know, we we just sit here in silence for long enough. Something, oh, something yeah. funny's bound to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How's this? There's something in there. <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Welcome back for another fortnight. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Stop making a thing out of it. These episodes, which come out every fortnight, once a fortnight, you get every like fortnight. Catholic guilt about the frequency with which we do this <laughs> podcast. You just bring it up every time. Like, Sorry about last week. <laughs> oh, welcome back for another time increment for another episode Very good. it's just like when we stop saying the episode numbers on the show yeah 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 exactly <laughs> at some point we'll, st- we'll, st- we'll stop saying the word week yep another app another app welcome another back app. once again for <laughs> exactly for another episode from isolation uh this week we uh are once again not watching heat this is the third week yeah. in a row that we've said we'll watch heat and we're not but i will say unless something goes catastrophically wrong so we had the best intentions to watch Heat, but then um, our local cinemas are doing uh, some like, like reruns classics, of old movies. reruns of old movies, some anniversary editions to and r- other movies. Right and after we put up that last episode where we were like, this week, definitely doing Heat, everyone. Yeah, I randomly looked at the encore <laughs> showings and one of them was Heat. And so like, I was oh, like, fuck. oh, well, I'm going to go see it at the movies. <laughs> so, yeah. So we've got a different encore showing for you this week because I've booked into a couple of those sessions. Oh, yeah. I've since been to two, and uh, you've been to one, yeah. which was one of the ones that I went to. Yeah, and that one was. And that one was BTTF. Back, <laughs> back to the it future. It is down to fuck. Uh, back, back to to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back to the future. Nineteen eighty-five sci-fi classic directed by Robert Zemeckis. And somehow, somewhere, Steven Spielberg's got his finger in that pie it. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right up in that pie. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's what we're doing this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a movie that I see most of you have seen, but it'll be fun to sort of talk about. I haven't watched it in a few years. It's probably one of my favourite movies. I hadn't seen it in ages and ages and ages and ages. In like fact, I, maybe a decade or more. I, I say I say it's one of my favourite movies. I haven't seen number two and number three really that much at all. I think I've seen number two and three sort of once or twice each. Mm. This one, though, I've seen fucking heaps. Mm. Yeah. So we'll talk about that later in the show. We've got a bit of news and a bit of sort of beef and also pleasure as well to catch up on. I feel oh, like yeah. I've forgotten to be doing the Russian accent and I'm sure that we've gotten plenty <laughs> yes, of emails forgotten. about how we forgot to do the Russian accent. Yeah, I've been blocking them for you to protect you. but And the um, music doesn't even say... It. It's fine. It's they're fine. very, they're very angry. We all love the music. Hey, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to edit that whole theme tune <laughs> so that every time anyone says business, they say business instead, you are more than welcome. Fuck, that'd be a good job to put on Fiverr. Like, <laughs> here's this completed theme music. <laughs> yeah, we just need you to feed it through and an, an AI. experienced sound editor to do the worst <laughs> job of their entire life. <laughs> For Chris Blobster. Yeah. <laughs> I right. thought you said Chris. Blobster. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just going to whiz right past that's it. That's an awesome fake name. <laughs> that is so name is Blo- the last name Blobster. <laughs> First name Chris. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Blobster, the sound editor. <laughs> Chris Blobster. Yeah. That rocks. Our producer, Chris Blobster. <laughs> 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 
Ah, <laughs> uh, that rules. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We're not really in isolation that much anymore, but I feel like We're I still not in need isolation to use it at all. as an excuse to... No, there's no excuse for this no, madness. There's no excuse for Chris Blobster. No. Well, Chris yeah. Blobster. <laughs> it still sounds like it, no matter how slow you say it, right? I know. Chris Blobster. I, I, at no point have I heard you... Refer to a shellfish in the last eight or nine <laughs> sentences. Just our, just Mr. Just Chris. our associate prof- <laughs> producer, Blobster. Dr. Blobster. Do- <laughs> Dr. Blobster. Very good. Yes. All right. Back to uh, the future. So no one's Sh- touching that thing. Should we start with some news? Some news. Yes, we should. Cool. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's roll. Let's roll. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> let's roll the music. Beef bullet. I realized that like just recently that that note I hit that it's like right at my upper register. Yeah. And I feel like of like whatever falsetto bullshit I can do. I feel like if we ever do if we're just doing this podcast when I'm in my 40s, I'm not going to be able to hit the high notes anymore, bro. And people are going to be saying like Oscar and Andrea, they can't hit the high notes like both. You're going to have to age down your voice. Exactly. It'll be me, McCartney, and Elton John all having to do our classics in lower keys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you just pitch the whole thing down. No one will notice. No. It'll, it'll be like McCartney. McCartney still does his songs in yeah. the same key, and it's really noticeable because he's fucking 80. Mm. It's like, bro, you can't sing. They'll be just like, can't quite bro, it just anymore. get the, transpose the key of the music down a couple uh, down no. a couple registers. No. 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 <laughs> the least exciting word to say in a little puddly accent. No. I, I got pretty excited by it. No. Oh, I'm I'm pretty excited. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, the Beatles have come up the Beatles. seven minutes in. You mentioned the Beatles. I'm it, excited. It's auto-erotic. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, should we go Michael Hutchinson right now? It's auto-erotic two reasons. One, because you mentioned the band The Beatles, but also because Beatles are a type of automobile. <laughs> Think about that. And because I get the idea that you, you might want to strangle me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, my automatic impulse is to kill you. Yeah. Erotically. Yeah. Speaking of which. Let's get some headlines in my ears. Cool. In your ears. In my ears. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Uh, first one off the ranks. I feel like it's interesting to keep up to date with how Tenet's doing, considering it's definitely not going to make its money back. I'll be the judge um, of that. <laughs> Uh, first headline here from NME. Tenet nears $150 million in global box office total. Okay. Warner well, Brothers is a- 202 Yeah, right. Warner Brothers has apparently said that they are very pleased with these returns so far. <laughs> Warner Brothers apparently said... Mm. <laughs> 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 Warner Brothers said... Zoinks! Yeah, no. Not good. Not but, good. But as you say, probably the best that they could have hope for given the circumstances. Yeah. But yeah. if I were them, I would have chosen to make a better movie. Because <laughs> I think that better movies probably make more money. Actually, that is not and has not ever been true. Yeah. So. Well, no. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's something that Christopher Nolan had thought of. You might want to write him a letter. Mm. Well, if I were them, in that case, I would have <laughs> uh, told them to tell the global elite not to manufacture the virus. <laughs> How about that? There we go. Hey, Bill Gates, give Christopher Nolan yeah, a chance, yeah, yeah. why don't you? <laughs> Come on, I know you guys are mates on that special <laughs> island you go to sometimes. Here's a headline I saw on Screen Rant Allegedly. that is related that I don't really understand completely. Mm. Right? Okay. So we just heard so it's got it's got like a two hundred million dollar budget. Dumb dumb. It's got a two hundred million dollar budget. 
It's made like 150 million. <laughs> now, if I'm doing my maths right. There's 52 coming up. Right. Yeah. This headline from Screen Rant says that Tenet needs to gross $500 million at the Bocus. Bo- <laughs> the Bocus. At the Bocus. Yep. To break even. Uh, it says here Tenet needs to cross the $500 million mark to break even on its $200 million budget before marketing costs. I didn't know that that budget didn't include marketing costs. Maybe it's obvious. I don't know. I assumed it did. I suppose so. To break even before marketing costs. I think maybe the idea is they're saying that the budget is $200 million before marketing costs. I didn't know that. But apparently, Do they go into screen depth in the article? That's, I also thought that the budget for a film included marketing. Yeah, me too. I thought that any, any amount of money above that was, uh, was profit. It kind of makes sense that it didn't. But like... These movies can't all be... They're not be spending $300 million on marketing, Oh, it's surely. the most expensive part of the film, I think. Well, but, clearly. It's fucking um, more expensive. They could, make, they, could, they could have made 10 once more over. But every time you hear about a movie making its budget back, it's not like they've lost $100 million on that film because they also had to market it, right? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get no another way. source on this, but, you know, there Otherwise, you go. Otherwise, every... <laughs> if every studio... Thought. God, yeah, i got to... F- Learn more about this shit because there's no way every studio is waiting for their like Avengers Endgame to make them a billion dollars and then every other movie is based on the profits of that. Yeah, I don't know. Surely hey. not. Oh, well. That's I a baffling headline. I guess we'll never know. Yeah, and I'm not <laughs> reading the article. So um, <laughs> oh, I skimmed the article and it didn't immediately pop up with the answer. Yeah, well, do not go gently into that good night. Yeah, no. Um, how's this? Cuba Gooding Jr. saved a man who accidentally set himself on, fu- on fire at a party recently. This is, this is movie news. Ah, oh, that's a weird headline. Cuba Gooding Jr. saves a man who set himself on fire at a party. Uh, yeah, you said Apparently, that. there was a party in the Hamptons <laughs> over the weekend. Okay. Uh, and there was a tech CEO who was hosting the party who, I don't Please know if I mentioned it earlier. tell me this is the man that got set on fire. Inadvertently set himself on fire. Yes. His back was lent against a lit candle when the rabbi was giving the Shabbat prayer. Is, is the rabbi it. the tech expert? Tech expert? Yep. Please? No. 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 The, the, the tech... What is this the video game ex- ex- cast no, of characters? No, he's not an expert. He's a CEO. Is he had a party so, in a uh, hitman you got, game? You what got the fuck? Cuba Gooding Jr. Right. His girlfriend, Claudine De Niro. I don't know. Now. Um, <laughs> it was a Where socially... Did, at, at a socially distanced Shabbat dinner for, for some tech CEO. Tech CEO's shirt caught on fire when he was leaning against a candle. Right. This stupid motherfucker. Yeah, what a dipshit. Yeah, so apparently, I have it here on good authority mm. that the rest of the guests panicked, except for Cuba Gooding Jr., who quickly doused him with water. Yeah. I mean... And the guests, I, it says here, applauded when it was clear and that everybody was okay. clapped. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nathan for you style. Yeah. A representative for the actor confirmed the report to the outlet. Jesus. They just tried to get in touch with him and <laughs> went to his inbox and someone was like, so yep. Weird. Yeah, okay. Cuba Goody Jr. leaked this story to the press. Just <laughs> set this guy on fire, dumped water on him. was like, get yeah, that yeah. out there. New Mission Impossible 7 news. There was a uh, video, or not, maybe not a video. Uh, Is MI7 not out already? I think the last one was MI7. No. Are you sure? No. I think you're not sure. I have no idea. But Screen Rant reckons it's number seven. The fuck? Yeah. Mission Impossible 7. Uh, new news that's uh, come out about it is they're showing off one of the new stunts that they're going to try and kill Tom Cruise by making him do. 
this one is one where they they're getting him to. Did Did you see this this picture I showed you the other day where it's this like fucking enormous ramp, like yeah, yeah, yeah. half the size of a mountain? So we're describing a visual concept here, but um, imagine like if you've ever seen those big, the uh, biggest ski ramp in the whole ski- fucking world. Like, have you ever seen a ski ramp that's had all the snow melted away? It's basically just a green hillside with this huge wooden ramp down it. Yeah. Um, and so yes, they've they've set one of them one of them things up, but and he's but it's bigger than you think. Firing off the end end of this <laughs> yeah. ramp on a motorcycle. There's just a person riding a motorcycle by the looks. And then of it, it looks like breaking his fall with like a parachute. Yeah, he's like I think he's like launching uh, the motorbike and then parachuting off the top of it. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, God knows what's happening to that motorcycle afterwards, but I want to know whether they're getting insurance for this still or not. Like, is is anyone still insuring Tom Cruise to do That's like shit? one of the cheapest stunts that they've done. The cost of that's just the motorcycle and the ramp. They're not like And Tom Cruise if you fucking kill him. No, he's already he's I think he wakes up and like parachutes to breakfast or some <laughs> shit. It's not like he's probably going to be doing that anyway, so they're just insuring yeah. him as a base rate. But that's yeah, they're not like blowing up a building or like setting the fucking Empire State Building on fire or anything. There, so. there was one where he he the, a plane took off with him strapped to the side. I of know, it, holding on to the side. I know, of it. he's, he's that's a, a more expensive stunt. Yeah, but the insurance isn't for the, the cost of the stunt. The insurance is for the cost of killing yeah, Tom Cruise. It's, a, it's always gonna, he's always, he's just insured for the whole movie, and you know if he goes bankrupt, I don't know, or dead, everyone you, everyone just goes to jail immediately. Do you reckon they have to calculate the cost of how much money they would make from Mission Impossible Seven through Fifteen and be like, that's how much money we lost? I don't know. He his life insurance must be well. That's what I'm saying. What yeah. the fuck? Who the fuck? Is still insuring Tom Cruise for any kind of life insurance? Well, no, because it's just about the premiums, right? He's just gonna every move, like every month that he's on set, it costs five million dollars just to insure him. Yeah, just to insure him. But if he ever dies, that studio is gonna make that'll be like they made Avengers Endgame. It'll be like they're just <laughs> he's insured for a billion US dollars. The conspiracy for Mission Impossible Twenty is they're gonna actually kill Tom Cruise. I mean, just for the life insurance. At money. a point. That would be, <laughs> I reckon. Be, get an actuary on that. Yeah, work out there's people who are doing those calculations. Work out how many Mission Impossibles they have to make before it's cheaper to either stop making them or kill him kill and get him. the money. There would, <laughs> it, yeah. There's a law of diminishing returns about making the movies. Yeah, it, it, according to how much he's insured for. So I wonder if they put a ceiling on it, or like they taper off his insurance value so that no one tries to kill him for the insurance fraud. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, like someone sabotages the parachute yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That would directly benefit from it. Mm. It's like the CEO of Universal sneaking in, like yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking yeah, like a black band <laughs> style. style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Painting tunnels on the side of mountains and shit. <laughs> yeah. Jesus I Christ, that's happened. Now I want to know. There's got to be a number. Yeah, What's well, the number? I want to know. Let's do some offline research and figure it out. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm making the throat cutting signal. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Let's um, move on. How's this? Did you see during the week that it came out that Robert Pattinson of the Batman fame has COVID? Actually, really, actually has COVID. Yeah. Not just, I mean, the production already shut down because crew members tested positive, I believe. And uh, I Pat has got COVID. Even someone that, w- I think the linguist that worked on that movie died of COVID Jesus. earlier. No, I didn't know so that. So it's already like a cursed fucking production, but yes. Anyone- um Anyone who came within six feet of Robert Pattinson for more than 15 minutes needs to be immediately isolated for 14 days. Yeah. I suppose I'm not telling anyone. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a, well, there's a, all right. Well, Deal this concludes the PSA <laughs> section of our... 
<laughs> podcast. So, so if so you've seen Robert Pattinson so that recently. It, I mean, I suppose, because I'm looking at an article here that says, like, how this could affect the Batman and the rest of the industry. Mm. Um, let's give it the movie The Batman, <laughs> not The Vigilante. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's bad PR Oh, he's Batman. not doing great, yeah. <laughs> but, because so like, yeah, anyone who needs to isolate, well, yeah, like, but you don't have know, the don't Batman either. Like, how yeah. much of the movie can you shoot without Batman in it? I, yeah, and it's what if that was the thing? What if they were like, actually, it doesn't affect us that much. He's only in it for two minutes. <laughs> He's cunt's wearing a mask the whole time. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Just use a stunt double. We'll post up a minute later. Fuck. No, but so they're they, saying like they camera, camera assistance, everyone, all it's this, all gonna, yeah. everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think it'll make too much of a difference to his life because he didn't have any fucking taste anyway. <laughs> Ironically, playing a character famous for wearing a mask mm. didn't seem to. Uh, didn't seem didn't to help uh, didn't help me out, did it? We only had the top half. <laughs> He's like, but I was wearing a mask. Should have had the bottom <laughs> half on, mate. It's about the spit droplets. Fuck. Yeah. All right. Um, is the spit droplets a good or a bad name? Oh, That's a, a band. good band name. You I reckon? Think, like underground punk, you're never going to really make it big. One I of think the, band the droplets is good. Mm. I think the spits is good. The spits is fucking great. There you go. That's There's co- yeah. Copyright. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. going to be called Spit Station <laughs> from now on. <laughs> it's a thing at a dentist's office. <laughs> it's a little basin they will in front of you. Spit station. How do you feel about being told to spit at the dentist? Oh, good. Yeah, but I like it. I ha- sometimes I wait months without spitting, just just so I can. Do no, it it's I'm into it. I go to the <laughs> dentist three times a week. Like someone told me to spit. <laughs> in any case. I think that might be all the news I have. Yeah, I hope old Robbie's okay. He's actually a good actor. Yeah, he's Dumb great. as a fucking <laughs> brick shit house, but... <laughs> Someday we're going to have to do a Greatest Hits rerun and just read that pasta, he- uh, pasta That's interview again. That's all I was thinking of when I, <laughs> when I read this COVID diagnosis. I was like, well, you know, if he's that fucking dumb, he's probably going to get it somehow anyway. <laughs> Seems like misfortune just happens upon him, so... <laughs> Uh, of course he gets COVID. I was not at all surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Rob had COVID. Um, yeah. has, okay, a, a couple little whirlwind. It's like the delivery like... man gets to his house. He's like hacking up and coughing. And <laughs> Rob's like, he's like, oh, Rob Pattinson, can I shake your hand? Rob's like, yeah. <laughs> Kiss me, baby. Something, yeah, something like that. You know, yeah. <laughs> something there. A couple little whirlwind headlines to finish off with. Mm. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola is releasing a new edit of The Godfather Part 3. So we'll yes. find out whether he makes it good or not. I really um, thought that I was dead. <laughs> the Godfather. I was shocked to learn he was still alive. Shocked. The, the Godfather. No. Francis Wait till you did it to the horse, baby. Yeah. Um, what did they do to the horse? <laughs> yeah. Um, he is working on a brand new restoration and edit that includes new scenes. Uh, it's going to be called under a. It's going to be called. It's going to be released under a new title, which is called <laughs> Mario Puzo's The Godfather Coda: The Death of Michael Corleone. Spoiler alert. Um, it rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. This article spoiler alerts in the title. Yeah. Th- this article says before the title, take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they give you instructions on how to read it. Yeah, uh, famously, uh, the third one of the third movie in the series that focuses on yes, the Godfather Part Three. Famously, the third movie in the series. Yep. The ah, one he says something oh! <laughs> The one that the one that focuses on Al Pacino's character, yep. along with Diane Keaton and uh, two other people I couldn't give a fuck about. Mm. This new one's coming out. Doesn't say when it's coming out, but it is indeed, Andrew, coming, coming out. out. Oh, hold on, December. Right. It says it's coming out in December. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll be interested to get around to it when I get around to watching parts one and two in 2025. Last one, Queen Elizabeth Sandringham Estate 
in the UK has opened up as a drive-in movie theatre. What? Queen Elizabeth Sandringham Estate. Sandringham. 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 Her 20,000... What did I say? Sandringham? No, I don't. It just I didn't know that it, it's British, man. You got to give me a heads up that you're saying words that sound fucked in any Queen other language. Queen Elizabeth Sandringham Estate. Queen Elizabeth's opening up a fucking drive-in okay, movie. Okay, there we go. Thank there you. you go. Uh, as of the end, towards the end of the month, she personally, 20- all of her aides <laughs> were like, "She's going to be ripping we don't tickets," do this, and she's like, "I love movies." <laughs> yeah, that's it. She's going to be ripping tickets. Uh, <laughs> she's on the door. That's it. Drive-in movie theater. It doesn't say why, okay. but it is. Right. There you go. Tickets start at £32.50. Fucking hell. <laughs> that's... Now, I'm just That's like a $1,000. com slash UCC. Yeah, that's approximately $250,000. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose, you, I suppose you could fit four people in a car, but fuck, imagine <laughs> being in the back seat at a drive-in movie. <laughs> yeah, stick your head out of the window. It'll, there's only an 800% chance it rains in Britain. <laughs> Jesus, watching a movie through, through windscreen wipers <laughs> in the back fuck. seat. That is what most <laughs> of these patrons are going to experience. Fuck. God, Britain sucks. What yeah. a country. Yeah. What yeah. a what a what a collection of countries. Yeah. Speaking of things that suck, <laughs> Disney Plus's Milan live action thing came out, and that's the last oh, we'll talk yeah. about that. Yep. What have we got for Beatrice or Pleasure Boy? You want to get on get on with that? Let's do it. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Pleasure, of course, the segment where every week we watch the movie that we committed to watching every week, and it, we we never not watch hate. Every week we watch hate. Well, that's not beefness or pleasure. You're right. That's the that's not the, that's the thing that beefness or pleasure is not the beefness. Yeah, is the movie we commit to watching and preparing notes on, yeah. so that we can rigorously dissect it for our listeners. We do have a bit of a, an issue of a, like a double definitional issue, right? Because we beefness or pleasure, the segment is only pleasure. You're right. Because right. then when we, we then move past the beefness or pleasure segment to the main well, feature that's why, of the episode, and then it's the beef. The name, the name of the segment is a question with a beefness or pleasure. Oh, so we're playing a game show. is pleasure. Uh, okay. Right. Beefness or pleasure. Because you would never walk into beef station when asked beefness or pleasure you and say you're here on business. You'd zero G. You'd, <laughs> you'd float in. Navigate in there, yes. <laughs> uh, you'd never say you're here on business. Right. Because you might be like smuggling some sort of illegal film drug into this po- onto this podcast, right. so you'd say I'm here for pleasure. Okay, interesting. So I, I feel like the answer is obvious, and that it's pleasure. It's pleasure. Yeah. But we we might need to start specifying that before every movie that we cover. In You're this right. Segment. I'm going to have to start doing the accent a lot more. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is the pleasure oh. movies that we watch on our off time this week mm-hmm. for fun, not realizing that there will be any situation where we might have to talk about. That's them. right. Off the clock. That's it. Off the clock, if you will. <laughs> You didn't ask me if I would, but I've, I've decided to let you know that I would. All right, so this week I watched a Woody Allen movie, mm. just because I'm, I'm again, trying to live dangerously. you got to stop doing that. And fuck it, a Louis C.K. comedy special. <laughs> yeah, Who cares yeah, yeah. anymore? Um, yep. <laughs> I no. watched every Kevin Spacey movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched um, 
I did watch a Woolly Owl movie. Uh, yep. It was called The Last... Oh, fuck. Sorry. I was listening to another oh, podcast cool. where they were talking about <laughs> Ants and A Bug's Life and they were talking about how Ants was cancelled because it's got Woody Allen in it. And I was like, oh, yeah, Bug's Life has Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> Can't win with either of those it fucking does. movies now. Jesus. Yeah. Um, I never really watched Ants. I just got the feeling that it sucked. So uh, no, it. it was good, but yeah, you know, yeah. All right. Anyway, I watched The Purple Rose of Cairo, which is a 1985... Clang, uh, Woody Allen movie uh, that was kind of a bit a bit whimsical and a bit twee in a way that I didn't really care for. Um, it's essentially it's set in the Great Depression in America and it's about this woman famously who's whimsical and twee era, right? But yeah. it's got this like, well, that was fine, but it's it's got this like this woman who's in a bit of a crap marriage and so she escapes by going to the cinema and there's this cinema that plays the same movie for like a week mm. uh, and one week it's this movie, this fictional movie. The Purple Rose of Cairo, and she watches it heaps, and then the characters like on screen start to recognize that she's in the audience, and then like come out of the screen into the real world. Okay, and it's like a bit of a fish out of water type story. Um, Jeff Jeff Daniels plays this like character out of screen type story. (laughs) Explorer dude in a safari hat. I think it was fine. I think someone I I saw it on Letterboxd somewhere. People giving it great reviews. It was all right. I feel like. I got my hopes built up by the fact that I watched Annie Hall, which might be one of my favorite movies ever mm. recently, and it's really funny. And this Sorry wasn't really that. funny. This was just, yeah, I know. This was just a bit cute. Okay. You know, I thought, like, yeah, cool, great. Mm. I don't know. The other movie I watched this week that I really liked was called Midnight uh, Midnight Cowboy. Midnight in Paris, just another Woody Allen movie. <laughs> Midnight Cowboy uh, is a 1969 movie that, that actually that's a good won... Bit. If every, just every beef is all pleasure, <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've only Allen. watched a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> I'm... You know he's got he's got enough episodes that they would last as well through yeah, episode fuck, one. Yeah, he's got enough movies. The Stephen King of being film directors that are also rapists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched Midnight Cowboy, which I liked a lot more. That was uh, a movie that came out in 1969. I think actually won Best Picture. It's most famous nice. for being that movie where Al Pacino goes, "I'm walking here, I'm walking here." Oh, that's right. It's yeah, that yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Um, it's about this dude from like some country town in the middle of Texas that like in like the 60s that dresses like he's this old cowboy type dude and he he's sick of like (laughs) he's sick of being this dishwasher piece of shit in a shitty restaurant in his small town so he decides that he's going to move to New York to become a gigolo right because he's like the ladies are practically begging for it over there it'll be the easiest money I ever make and um, he's like the world's shittiest gigolo (laughs) like his first outing like seducing some lady he ends up paying for her cab home like he's just shit. It's great. Um, John Voight. Al Pacino uh, plays the main character. No, uh, Al Pacino plays like his his buddy. Oh. Uh, but J- John Voight plays the main character who you've definitely known. Oh yeah, yeah. I know John Voight. Yeah, yeah. Um, Is he in Independence Day? I think so. He's that guy. I'm holding up a photo of John Voight. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Famous Listeners. as an old man now, but 50 years ago he was famous as a young man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, figure that one out. Figure that one out. And uh, Al Pacino plays this like con man dude. That's so like weird. When you Google him on IMDb, it says he's like, you know how it brings up like actor and it'll be like yeah. uh, Al Pacino, actor, Scarface, whatever. Yeah. It'll have their most famous yeah. thing. Uh, John Voight's most famous thing is Midnight Cowboy. It's like yeah. his number one credit on IMDb. Yeah. Despite well, it, the fact that he's acted in 97 things. Movies, right? Not just things. Things. I don't know. <laughs> That's why um, I was non-specific. Not to just summarize the plot, I thought it was really great, and it tied in quite nicely with uh, Saturday Night Fever that I watched last week because they're both sort of quite dark movies that are darker than I expected them to be. They're a bit gloomy, and TV, they're both set TV, in New- up, <laughs> they're both set in New York, 
at roughly the same kind of time period, like within within like tw- within ten or twenty years of each other. <laughs> at the time when <laughs> New York is twenty years of each well, other. When did it was, no, Saturday Night Fever is seventy eight, and this is sixty nine. So yeah, within yeah. within ten years of each other. Sure. Um, at a Vintage. time, yeah, at a time when New York was still that famous, like shitty, dark, kind of dangerous place where the subway always looks like terrifying, mm. and it's kind of about like the struggles of living in the big city, and there's a lot of contrast that's drawn between like this dude thinking he hates living in this small country town, but immediately missing that community atmosphere and human as connection as soon as he moves to the big city. Grass is greener. Yeah, right. Um, I, I really liked it. It was a, a lot, a lot sort of slower. And more brooding than I thought it would be in that classic, like, old school style of... If people watch, like, an old 60s movie and they just feel a bit slow, like, they take mm. their time with every scene. It was like that, but in a really interesting, reflective kind of way that I enjoyed. Okay. And it was really cool to see Times Square and all the shitty parts. I think I think in this time he lives in... In the movie, he lives in Brooklyn at a time where Brooklyn's, like, a shitty place to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a sh- or maybe that's... It's mixing up with Saturday Night Fever. In any case, it was interesting to see these these like working class type places where these people are living in these shitty areas. Where sure. Yeah. Really interesting and makes me sort of want to go and visit New York more than I ever have before diving mm. into all these movies. I recommend it. Mm. Midnight Cowboy. Okay. That's what I watched. Cool. I was just looking up John Voight's IMDb credits and in 2001, he played uh, Lord Richard Croft in Lara Croft Tomb Raider. <laughs> And then he also played Larry Zoolander in Zoolander. Oh yeah, <laughs> playing the the yeah he he's the coal miner, the titular yeah. non character nice. of both of these films <laughs> in two thousand one. He also had like right. three other things in two thousand one. Interesting man, thing about man, playing in Tomb Raider, he is the father of Angelina Jolie, who was the Tomb Raider herself. Yeah, that's why his name is the same. Um, and I think Larry Zoolander is Zoolander's father, right? No, but John Voigt, the human being, is the father of Angelina Jolie. Oh, he's actually Angelina Jolie's father. Yeah. Oh, uh, right. I wasn't like, interesting, Lord Croft and Lara Croft, <laughs> characters yeah, yeah, that are right. related. I'm right. a moron. No, my dumb no. brain was like, they have different <laughs> names, and so I think they just, <laughs> like, I just completely disregarded yeah, your point. Yeah, there are two characters named Zoolander in the movie. They're obviously related. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You're a lunatic. Uh, okay, your this, uh, you yeah. So I went, like I said, I went to one of those retro screenings and I watched Fight Club, uh, <laughs> David Fincher's 1999 film. Now I was talking to you about this before I went. I reckon. So I watched this film when I was 14. I distinctly remember that because which I think is the perfect time to watch a movie like Fight Club. I think so. Anywhere between the ages of like 14 and 17, before you become too skeptical to recognize that it's a very niche film, and before I don't think it's old enough that it almost old feels enough to understand what's going on. Do you think it feels a bit hack now? No, this movie, I don't. like in a, I actually think it. It. I was really afraid at how badly this film was going to hold up. Yeah, but it holds up really, really well. It like right. I could feel it like invigorating me with the same energy that it did when I was like 15 years old. That's man. cool because I haven't, I haven't very revisited impressive. it in probably about probably about six or seven years. I would highly recommend watching it again because in my head, in my head, I'm worried the same worry that you had that it would sort of go back and feel like it was trying too hard to be badass. No, or and I think the worst it's it's another one of those films where the worst thing about it are the fans. Yeah, because people consistently like I've actually studied this film 
Um, so I'm, I must have come back a bunch of brick and morty next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's sort of similar, right? In, yeah. In like a in a way that like it 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 becomes synonymous with its fans. Um, and even then, I don't think there's that many people that like Fight Club that think Tyler Durden is like a cool dude. No. You know, I just think it's like this. It's become fun to make fun of this. Yeah. Um, what stood out most to you after having not seen it for so long? And I think you said when you watched it most recently before this time. You watched mm. it in like an iPod classic. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. So <laughs> I think the first, I, I, I reckon, <clears throat> I was thinking about when I might have seen this movie other than when I was watching it in bed at midnight on my iPod classic well, screen. While David Lynch was outside trying to break into your house and <laughs> shoot you in the head. Yeah, David Fincher, <laughs> yeah. No, David Lynch. Why? He's the guy that's like, if you watch movies oh, on your fucking yeah, yeah, telephone, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you will never in a b- trillion years... No, he wouldn't shoot me in the head. He'd just be oh, he would. very upset. <laughs> just very upset with me. Yeah. Um, yes, very funny joke. Sorry, I fucked that up. That's all right. Uh, yeah, so I I'll think... I'll just have that on a recording and just play it in my ear every now and then. Yeah, well, lucky we're not recording this. <laughs> so, uh, it. I think one of the things that really surprised me is that it holds up in almost every way. Yeah, it right. didn't even feel like... Um, I mean, even the themes, to be honest, are like not as outdated as you might expect them to be, being now like 21 years old. Um, yeah. It's still, I mean, maybe it's the fact that, so this was obviously a novel written by Chuck Palutnik beforehand, and I think that's part of the reason why the script is so fucking good. Um, it was, uh, the screenplay was written by Jim, Jim Ulls, or Jim <laughs> Yules. Um, he wrote the screenplay for some weird other shit as well, like uh, Jumper, that movie with um, Hayden Christensen in it. Yeah, right. Um, Did you say that the guy that wrote the screenplay also wrote the book? No, or no, is that no, something no, else? no. That's another movie. Someone Chuck else. That happens to lots of movies, but yeah. Yeah, right. Um, that was Perks being awful out of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, back to Fight Club. And also <laughs> lots of movies. Sorry, were you saying something? <laughs> no, I wasn't, man. You just got off. Um, it, so, it was adapted from the book by, yeah, Chuck Blutnick. Um, and I always, <clears throat> I wonder if, like, it gives you a second pass at the idea. I wonder if there's a reason why so many books have made great films. Um, I guess, like, Stephen King is probably the easiest example of that with so many of his books are fucking fantastic. But even Fincher tends to do this. So, Fincher doesn't write. That's, like, he's quite famous for <laughs> only, like, only adapting. <laughs> but he can write. Why, I don't know. <laughs> David Fincher and Donald Trump, both people who are not quite sure if they're literate <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I he's, he's famous for, like, he doesn't... He's not a writer-director. He just fucking directs. So he wants to work with something that someone else has written. Yeah. And uh, Mindhunter was a book. Um, Gone Girl was a book. Uh, Fight Club was a book. So he, he tends to... I think he finds these stories, or at least people throw his way these stories that were written as literary fiction yeah. and lend themselves well to the format. Like Chuck Palutnik, just... I don't know. It's not the most inherently... It, it It's not... I think it's not a book that you read and think like, fuck, this make a good movie because it's it's got all that weird shit with the narrator like talking directly to you and stuff. Yeah, that That's is not weird. very filmic, but what he does with it is just so fantastic. And I guess and credit also, to Jim Alls for the screenplay as well. Also the interesting, I mean, we're going to spoil Fight Club, so fuck off. But yep. like, also the interesting twist. If you haven't seen it, it's one of the best movies of all time. Spoiler alert, I'm going to fawn over it for like a minute. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The twist with Tyler Durden and Edward Norton being the same character, mm. um, I can't imagine how that would even work in a book. I mean, like, I think it just has the scene. Yeah, but like a lot the, of the scenes, the idea, the, Club are directly the way the, it's so visually sh- done, 
in the movie. That's the edit, so effectively. Man. The editor of Fight Club is like an unspoken MVP of the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Because the editing in that film is so tight. It's so snappy. It, uh, it just. The editing always has the back of the narrative, and yeah. I think that's so fun to watch. It makes it so fucking compelling. It cuts at exactly the right moments for your brain to just be like either brought along in the moment or like shocked or surprised yeah. or whatever. Well, no, because you were thinking about, you were saying you were talking about the idea of um, whether or not you could read the book and think this makes a good movie. And I'm just saying, watching the movie, mm. it's so it works so perfectly as yeah, a movie. It's like, I don't know I how can't this would watch be a it. Book. Yeah, I can't watch it. Right. Be like, oh, I'd love to watch the book. I'd be like, fuck, how, I'd love to read the book you'd be like fuck how 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 could this work as a book it works so perfectly as a movie yeah no sorry i yes again i I thought you were saying the other way around but yes it's um it it is so filmic in the way that it's put together that it's kind of hard to think of exactly how it would ever have been written in like literary form you'd be like oh this is weird and it doesn't really work this is such a visual story um i wonder whether maybe part of the idea about how i mean obviously i suppose the easy bit is the story is already written and all you have to do Mm. is adapt it to a screenplay i wonder whether that means that for books that are adapted from screenplays that are adapted from books, whether it means that you naturally have like the luxury of almost having more time to work on it. Because I think so. I think it would make it. You've you've already the got a much the story more already there. refined product to work with. Yeah. So you're you're constrained in that way, but then you know, yeah, you have this um such a strong idea if yeah. it's already a great book to go from. Um, so I think it is a bit of an advantage in a way, but also like. You know, yeah, you don't have the freedom of inventing your own world or basis or characters or whatever. Yeah. Um, with so much freedom as you do when you're starting from scratch. But, um, yeah, so I think uh, I it just, like I said, this was like, I don't know, man. Watching this movie was great for me, especially seeing it at a cinema because, like, um, they had, <clears throat> you know, they had the volume turned up. It's got such a great soundtrack by the Dust Brothers. The sound design in this film is so strong that yeah. I was shocked at how much I was affected by really being able to hear it through cinema speakers. Like the packed meat kind of punch sounds, <laughs> all of that really matters. Yeah. Um, hey man, it's I'm so jealous. I'm not. I'm only like happy for you that you were able to go back and watch this movie that you really liked as an adolescent and for it to hold up. I forgot how much. I loved this movie. And yeah. at the same time, I knew I loved it, but I yeah. it had been so long, I hadn't really thought about how long it had been. And at the same time, I feel like this whole movie is in my head. I was like, there. Are, this is the movie, this is the movie for me where like, I thought it would be like Tom Shadyac, Jim Carrey films that are like burned into my brain, the line readings and stuff. But like, this is the movie where I remember the delivery and the wording of every single fucking line in the whole thing. Yeah. And like, I, I can... You know, a character can say the start of a line, I'll remember exactly what the rest of it is. Every moment seems like it's exactly placed before or after the next moment. Yeah. Um, Meatloaf's in this movie, which is weird. He is, <laughs> and he does a great job. I was just about to quickly touch on the performances because um, Edward Norton and... I, I was I was thinking about Brad Pitt in this movie, and then I was thinking about him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and thinking how, like, I know they're both Brad Pitt, but the restraint and calm kind of, like almost lethargic performance that he gives in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as Leo DiCaprio's stuntman versus this movie where he is all of the energy. He is the um, charismatic, ambitious, energized antithesis to the main characters, like domesticated, kind of subdued, uh, almost like um, uh, castrated masculine character. Yeah. Um, I've... These are two of the most, like, they're two 
absolute masters of their craft. I don't know if you can still say that. I don't know. Edward Norton has done... I loved him in Birdman. He was, you know, yeah. almost as good I, in this You're part. right. He hasn't really done much stuff, right. though, has he? You know, it's been a bit of a weird road for him. Brad Pitt's gone, kind of gone from strength to strength. I mean, like, yeah, Mr. Brad and Mr. Pitt, Smith or whatever, yeah. but... Um, in my head, yeah, Brad th- Pitt plays a very similar character often, but the way you're describing it now, it sort of feels like maybe I, sort of I two think, sides of the same. I coin think he's just always thing. a bit Brad Pitt. Yeah, but like you know, and again, like Ocean's Eleven or some shit. Like it's totally different. I think he actually has quite a bit of range. But Edward Norton was the one that surprised me because in my head, Edward Norton is actually this character, <laughs> and I'd never really thought about that before because this was the first film I ever watched yeah. with him in it. He is the narrator in Fight Club to me. And so when I see him in well, other he, things, he he's is sort of the narrator in Fight Club. moving away from that point rather than being Edward Norton and having jumped into the skin of this character. This is that man for me. Yeah. And I think that that's a, actually, without me really being aware of it at the time, a testament to how much he just embodies this fucking person. It's yeah. a perfect performance from both of them. And Helena Bonham Carter is also... Excellent. She and that's rare. I think she, she similarly becomes this character. Right. I think her performance as Marla Singer is the strongest performance I've ever seen her give. Because she often grates to me in a way where it feels like she's always playing some fucking parts of the Caribbean type character. Right. Sure. I think in this movie it really works, and it's really good casting because she just has that weirdness to her that makes sense with the character. Her voice is a little bit off because I don't think she's actually particularly good at doing an American accent. They <laughs> do it to her in every fucking movie. But yeah. Um, but in this one, it kind of works because Marla Singer is meant to be completely out of Weird. touch with her surroundings. You can't surroundings get like a read on her. And exactly. Yeah. And like just the way that it makes you feel with her character where the whole time it's portraying this person on screen as being unhinged and unstable and a fucking weirdo and like you want to not spend as much like sure she's great to fuck but like you want to not spend as much time around her as possible as you possibly can and then you look back at it with the knowledge of the end of the movie and you think like oh she was acting quite reasonably she's an emotionally dependent person so she was relying on this relationship in an unhealthy fashion but all of her weird reactions to all the shit were normal reactions to To weird weird shit. shit it's really 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 compelling, man. And I knew it was coming, and it's still just as good. I don't think every I've part of this movie is so well put together. It is, I, I, I it's like a ten out of ten movie for me, man. Like it, yeah. uh, it's hard to find any fault with it. And I think finding fault in the, it's a, it's a bro movie about people hitting each other. Like you're an idiot if you think that's what it's about. It's obviously yeah, not I mean, about that. No. It's a strongly anti-capitalist narrative, which I'm into. <laughs> it's, but it's also it captures that um, something close to that that's not quite that, which is like anger about what's happening, anger about the this anti-consumerist sentiment where you're like, no, fuck, I don't want to buy another fucking product. And As feeling if like any of that shit's going to make me happy. Impotent, and exactly. To get the energy out. And, and yeah. it directly relates that kind of like frustrated impotence to the, the reasons why that's happening, which is, yeah, this hyper-capitalist, he works in a bullshit fucking job that's actually really terrible, like <laughs> ethically terrible. And he it touches on it, but it doesn't like, you know, indulge in how bad that is because it's a fucking boring, shitty job. He just wants and maybe to that's not supposed have to, reflect to do it. How a lot of people feel is just I'm like, sure, yeah, it's a yeah. bullshit job. Let's not talk about right. it. Right, you're working in an yeah. Amazon warehouse or something. Like you, yeah, you're working for a terrible corporation, but you're you're not working there because you want to. You're working there because you need a fucking job. Yeah, and yeah, that when you really get down to it, probably on some level makes you angry. I think I've got to go back and watch it, man. I don't think I've seen it more than once. It's really because fucking good. You're telling man. me, reminding me about her, uh, Helena Bottom Carter's character's really weird reactions to the weird shit he's doing. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think I've ever gone back and watched it again knowing the ending. Right. It's it it holds up and it still brings you along that whole journey. You're yeah. not thinking about the ending the whole time. Like it's it's just a really compelling story. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why is yeah, it brings you along the narrator's journey so empathetically the whole time. So the twist still is like a punch in the gut. Um, yeah. Oh, and even like Fincher's very restrained use of any visual effects or CGI, like it 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 doesn't look what I would say like realistic, but it's so stylized, like in the intro where it's zooming out through his brain and then up the barrel of the gun. It doesn't look it's from nineteen ninety nine, man. It doesn't look bad. It's so yeah. strange. Like it, n- everything about this movie deserves to feel more poorly aged than it does, and well, it just doesn't. This movie could have been made last year. I feel like, as we're about to talk about with Back to the Future, I feel like there's a lot of movies that have excellent effects that are older than you think they are. Yeah, I mean, I think that Back to the Future is a little more t- like twee in its tone, and so that doesn't feel quite as... That feels a little more out of place. That's that Spielberg kind of 80s yeah. kind of like vibe. Um, Whereas, because this is trying to get such a serious kind of tone, right? I think it just protects itself a little bit. It's so cynical that it fits in better yeah. in the modern era, um, which also is like one of the reasons why I'm, you know, I enjoy it so much. I love that kind of like hyper cynical narrative. But uh, anyway, yeah. I'll stop talking about fucking Fight Club. <laughs> but, um, but like this, this movie really did. I was sitting in the cinema and I thought, man. This reminds me how much I fucking love movies. Hell it's yeah, just bro. been a little while, you know? Yeah. Like, I've watched some really great movies this year, um, but I- I- I'm excited for the next thing that makes me feel like that. Yeah. Um, because they do every now and then, and I really love it, and it's really good to be sitting in... You don't have to be in a cinema, but sitting in, like, a dark room, that's all that you're listening to, the sound is hitting you in the chest. Yeah. What an experience. Really glad that I went to go back and see it. Yeah, so, man. Yeah, really, really cool. Really cool. I love this movie. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch it again. I- I've seen it, but I just don't think... Mm. I don't think it's left the same impression on me. I just thought it was like, oh, yeah, it's cool. Whatever. There's even like moments, little moments of humor that it doesn't tell you. Like um, at one point, the character's looking at like all the single serving shit and he holds up a toothpick that's plastic wrapped. <laughs> and it's kind of ridiculous that there was yeah. like plastic wrap a toothpick. Never got that joke. It was on my iPod touch screen. <laughs> oh, fucking iPod classic. I You're didn't like, know what, what he was holding. What the fuck is that? I can't tell. That's so yeah. funny. It's really funny. <laughs> and there were a, a few moments where I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I never never, ex- never understood that before, literally because of the resolution of the screen that I was dealing with. That's so yeah, funny. Yeah, pretty funny. David Lynch was right. <laughs> It's don't a toothpeck. Don't let him it's hear you say that. It's a toothpeck. Fucking David Lynch. Yeah. Fuck you, David Lynch. If you're listening and you made it this far through, fuck you. Fuck you, David Man, Lynch. Man, this is a real 90s episode. We talk, Oscar needs to talk about 90s. Woody Allen, Fight Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. And David Lynch and watching movies on an iPod classic. Can you imagine yeah. now watching a movie on a fucking iPod classic? Uh, yeah. I mean, my phone is like bigger than the my phone screen is bigger than the whole iPod now so I just can't really go back to that like I think the 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 screen that I'm looking at the like zoom style recorder that we're using on yeah. is I reckon as big as the iPod classic screen that I watch this shit on it's like this tiny yeah. like calculator screen size thing I'm trying to think if oh, I ever watched really a movie crazy. on an iPod Nano uh, I did yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It's really, really crazy. I reckon I watched like Family Guy on an iPod now. Yeah, I would have. I, I watch, I know that, so like one of the uh, TV uh, series that I love the most out of anything is Skins, Skins. season one <laughs> or two. Watch the whole of it on an iPod classic. 
the whole crazy. thing. That's crazy. And there were lots of movies that I would only have seen once, only watched them on an iPod Classic. I reckon Pulp Fiction might be one of those. Only ever seen it on an iPod Classic. Maybe I've watched it somewhere since. Is that true? Uh, maybe. Like, Fuck. But that was like Fight Club. Man, there me. are heaps of great toothpick jokes in Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pulp Fiction that like, you've completely missed. I can't see, but I think he stabbed her with that big needle. <laughs> I don't know. Weird. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Highly recommend watching that uh, in in a in a cinema if you can. I think or at a pinch on an iPod Classic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on a big fucking TV. Uh, mostly listen to the sound. Use use a non uh, compressed sound version because the way that those punches kind of hit every time it just puts you in that yeah. ring with whoever's fighting. And you get uh, to listen oh. to the Pixies. Yeah, but more importantly, the Dust Brothers, who like this <laughs> is the only thing they've ever really done, I think. And the soundtrack for this. I don't know. It's weird, man. The soundtrack for this is a good album, uh, <laughs> like on its own, yeah. and it's crazy that they only did that, did did this like for that. It's it's just two dudes that have like gotten together for this soundtrack, I think, and, and called themselves the Dust Brothers, and not really done anything else. That but rocks. every every piece of music in this, I remember as being this like it's got like this really, um, ah, oh, it's like almost like Blockhead or Bonobo, like are those like. Um, Ninja Tune style <laughs> kind of art. I, they, well, Ninja Tune is a record label that Blockhead and Nova are on. Right. And they, they do, they're like, it's like sample music. Um, so it's got like these record scratches and stuff that, again, should feel poorly aged. Very 90s But just works because it's so pared back. Oh, it's cool. It's really, really great. You sold man. me, man. Oh, I'll God. watch Fight Club. God, that's a fucking <laughs> great movie. Yeah. Re- everyone should rewatch Fight Club. It'll remind you what, like, I don't know, a movie of this quality is. Like, yeah, right. This is a this is a masterpiece film, man. Really, it's not a it's not a perfect movie in that it's not like covering every single aspect of human life. But what it's trying to make comment on, it does so so well. I yeah. love this. Yeah, film. right. Okay, great. Well, sold. Done. Next. Uh, that's it. That's cool. that's all my that's all my pleasure for this week. All right, great. It's the no only worries. thing I enjoyed, <laughs> including this. <laughs> Fuck, I'm going to use this as my beef as a pleasure next week. Yeah. I'm going to talk about you talking about Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a basically feature-length <laughs> performance, so yeah. <laughs> no, that was good. Thank sorry, you. Sorry, I know th- I'm a white dude in his mid-20s talking trying about Fight to convince Club. you to re-watch <laughs> Fight Club. I'm sorry. I know who I am. I hate me as well, but I'm also right. Hello to any women who are still listening. Sorry. Well, there are what are you doing you. here? Yeah. No, no. Back to the future. Back to the future. All right, cool. So this is a movie that obviously we had all seen... All. Both of us, we've seen this before. We had both uh, seen All co-hosts of this <laughs> podcast had seen it. I was quite fond of this movie. I think not because I grew up with it, but because I grew up in my teens listening to fuckloads of podcasts right. hosted by people, hosted who by people who love this movie. And so it's been like ingrained <laughs> in me so like secondhand. <laughs> yeah. I like this movie. I like this movie. I've never seen it, but I like this movie. Yeah. So in a way, like it's sort of been taught to me in the same way it was like taught to me that the Beatles are important. Mm. It's almost been like ingrained in me that like Back to the Future has been important. Yeah, and, and a similarly poor judgment. <laughs> and it, uh, yeah. I, um, I, 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 had, I didn't see it for like a long time and watched it right. and immediately got it. And I feel like <laughs> it's one of those movies that I got it, man. It's, I mean, it's, some people thought it was confusing. I got it. I mean, uh, yeah, I understood it. It you kind of need. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably probably <laughs> good probably to, to think it. about it a bit. Yeah, it's um, a, kind of a smart person movie. Uh, Will Anderson and Charlie Clawson on their Tofop podcast, which is a podcast that was for like ten years, describe it as a movie that asks you the question: Would you fuck your mum to save your future? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, does he have to not fuck his mum? Uh, 
No, he has to like assault his mum. Yeah, not fuck her though. I think he gets close to. There's a. I think there's a bit where he he was like. What, he's like peeing out? He's about to. He's about no. to. He's waiting for the, the, the dude to come. He's not going to go through with it, though. Oh, I don't know. Man, we'll, we'll get into that we'll particular into plot <laughs> point later. But. <laughs> In any case, Back to the Future came out in 1985, <laughs> directed by Robert Zemeckis, Correct. who has directed a shitload of iconic stuff, including... Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Forrest Gump. And some other shit. All sorts of other shit. <laughs> Back he to is, the Future Part 2. And also, is, shut up. Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> he is famous for technological innovation in the movies that he does. Sort of so the this 80s George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think George... Yeah, fine, yep. <laughs> <laughs> the second 80s George Lucas. Another 80s George Lucas. <laughs> um He's famous for te- a lot of technological innovation in his films. Uh, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was famous, which I watched recently as well. Who Framed Roger Rabbit was famous for being one of the first films Why to... Why are you watching that? <laughs> to prop... Oh, I don't know. It's funny. What? Because it's got a character oh, it's got that a sec- It's got a sexy rap, jerk s- sexy off, lady. Yeah. 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 Well, other than that, it was one of the first movies to very effectively integrate live action and animation together in a movie in interesting ways that weren't just like static locked off shots with like an animated whatever. Um, yep. Forrest Gump did a lot of really interesting stuff with like image manipulation where they like uh, put Tom Hanks into historical scenes and I had all sorts of interesting visual effects in that sense. So like deep fakes before there were deep fakes. Yeah. Um, this movie is a movie that was the first Back to the Future was produced at like the golden age of practical effects. Like this was right before Jurassic Park, right before Ju- uh, Back to the Future 2, right before Back to the Future 3. <laughs> one of those a little movie- bit further before Back to the Future 3, yep. One of those 80s movies where you can look back on it and say like, oh, how amazing are practical effects because this movie didn't have any CG in it. Yeah. And so that's one of the most interesting ways to watch it is looking at it like there's a scene where there are storm clouds with lightning through it and the way they got that was to film like black cotton wool with torches flashing behind it. Like all sorts of crazy yeah. shit where you, the more you think like, oh, like there's no CG. They couldn't they couldn't fake anything. Yeah, like everything, is done that, in camera. everything that's on camera, they had to put a camera in front of and film it without a computer. They didn't have computer blue screens. Yeah, exactly. They didn't have any of that shit like the, all the lightning that goes around the car when the car travels back in time is hand drawn on, the on each cell yeah. yep crazy so, so that's the movie we watched this week and I feel like it's. you said you might have a bit of an introduction for it well yeah I was listening to um, some making of stuff and I thought it was interesting the way that um, just to lead into like what it's about and kind of the story of it but if you haven't seen it crucially it's a very funny very fun film that has not dated poorly I think it yeah, has dated in, in, very well. In a well. lot of ways. It, it definitely feels like a bit of an artifact of its time. But in the same way Star Wars and Jurassic Park feel maybe a bit cute. I think this feels a bit cute, but I think it's fun. You're not, it's not a slog to get through. It's a genuinely fun film. Yeah, I think if you crack it down into like... I don't know. It, it feels like... Um, well, yeah, I'll, I'll... Do you think? Sure. I'll get to what... Um, my, my thoughts on that in a little while, because I think in some ways you're right, but in some ways it also does like um, have a bit of a... A classic yeah. core to it. Um, so the yeah, the apparently so it was co-written by Robert Zemeckis, who I'll be referring to here and out as uh, R- Bobby Z. Um, <laughs> Fuck. And uh, co-written by him and, and a man called Bob Gale. <laughs> and the way that the idea kind of <laughs> came about. To is BG. Bobby G. <laughs> Bobby Z and Bobby G. That's correct. <laughs> um, 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. Got some residual laughter there. Still something stuck in the system. Let me just, let me just empty this out. <laughs> <He's> like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to really lost my train of yeah. thought after that Bobby Bobby reference. <laughs> Um, let's put a Bobby pin in Bob. that. Uh, so Bobby Bob Gale Bobby. was thumbing sorry, through. <laughs> Bob Gale was thumbing. No, sorry, Bobby G was thumbing yep. through his father's high school yearbook, yeah. and he found out that his dad had been class president of his dad's graduating year. I've thumbed through a couple books in my time. If you know oh, what yeah. I'm saying, which he had uh, no idea about. So he <laughs> got thinking like who his class president was, and he's like, oh, I don't. I don't like that guy. I wouldn't want anything to do with that guy. And then he was thinking about those two things together. And he was like, well, I wonder what kind of guy my dad was back then. If yeah. like, Would I be friends with my dad back? Which is something that I think a lot of people have thought of. Like, it's what, interesting. What were my parents like when they were my age? I've seen like old photos of my parents when they were 20s. And there's like my Yeah, blown. and you sort of like yeah. your parents fucking around in like what? ways that you just wouldn't really... Uh. <laughs> I don't know. Ways you wouldn't think that your parents ever did. Because no. it's hard to conceptualize your parents as being young people like you. Yeah. Right? And so I think, yeah, it, he was just kind of like, that was the germ of the idea, um, was like, would I be friends or would I hate my dad if I met him when he was my age at school? Yeah. And I think that explains a lot about the dynamics of like the 1955 section of this movie, which is that the main linchpin relationship is between uh, Marnie McFly, uh, played by Michael J. Fox, and his dad, George, played by Crispin, Crispin Glover. An insane so then, man. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, who I watched about 200 times as the uh, bad uh, orphanage manager in Like Mike. <laughs> so then uh, they go to this pitch meeting uh, to Columbia Pictures where they've written a script about... Um, they say like, okay, this kid goes back in time. He goes to high school with his parents and his mom falls in love with him instead of his dad. And then they got a draft with Columbia on the spot. Um, which is insane because they that means in the first draft of the script they had the whole like mum fucking idea in there. Fuck yeah. And no one was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> is that Yeah, is it, no one in any five like they're a, like, awesome idea, bro. It's like, yeah, there's like a pivotal part of the I script. I have one question. Is the mum hot? Yeah. Yeah, we'll no get further to that. questions. <laughs> so then, yeah, so they did a first draft, which apparently was like this super grueling process. Columbia, yeah. and they took it back to Columbia Pictures. They said, "No, we're actually looking for raunchier comedies these days," Fuck which yeah. means they had the mum fucking thing in there, and Columbia They're Pictures like, was like, "Not raunchy <laughs> enough." <laughs> so then, both of these guys know Senor Spielbergo, and they take it to him. He immediately gets it. He <laughs> sees that it's like this really interesting. Oh, I get it. And they yeah. sit down, they explain the timeline to him, right? And he's like, in. 40 years, there's going to be a movie about time travel that I don't fucking get. <laughs> uh, and also that sound mixing needs to be fired on. So uh, he gets it. It's like a special story. And this is what I was talking about earlier. It's a special new time travel story that's really compelling. But at its core, he says, it's got a lot of old ideas like family. It's a coming of age story. Steven Spielberg needs to shut the fuck up about family. Oh, right, we get yeah. it, bro. That was the first word he used. I was like, mm, fam, fuck you, Steven. But yeah. he's actually like saying some clever stuff, which is that it's about these experiences that are kind of universal, like this coming of age story. It, getting your first car is an experience that like he, from his perspective, a lot of people will have. A lot of our generation will never have those financial opportunities. <laughs> so once again, fuck you, Steven Spielberg. But When is Steven Spielberg just going to make a movie about how fun it is to play in VR? Right. How fun it is to rent. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. That. That. Yeah. That was. Yeah. That was a bad movie. My movie exists. Yeah. Um, well, my movie also exists. It's called Rent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> he also points out it's about like your dreams and aspirations. Funnily enough, five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred <laughs> minutes is how many minutes it feels like I've have, go- have gone by. Yep. in a year. Go on. In, in, in a year, yeah. Well, that's correct. There's that many minutes in a year. That's why the song is... Yeah. So he talks about um, the aspirations that you have, but then the aspirations of your parents that you've kind of seen that they haven't necessarily realized. So he's like fully on board. But um, Zemeckis and Gail, the authors uh, of the screenplay, Bobby... So Bobby Z and, yeah. and Bobby G. Bobby's Z and G. Bobby's Z and G, thank you. <laughs> that's the correct plura- pluralization. So they've made three movies with Spielberg by this point, and they all flopped. Fuck yeah. And so Steven Spielberg's like, you guys want to make another movie? So and they're they, like, well, Steven. They ugh. tell Steven Spielberg, <laughs> sorry, bud, you are bad luck. <laughs> Hands off We don't want to put your name movie. on our movie. They literally say that. And he was, well, yeah. yeah. And he was like, okay. Um, so then they were worried. Have you, got th- what those movie- have you got what those movies are? Oh, they're three like completely unmemorable Okay, movies. cool, great. Um, they were actually worried it would look like they were only able to make movies because they were mates with him. Yeah. Which is much more reasonable, but um, did it for the bit. <laughs> so then they keep showing studios and the studios keep saying like, no, nah, this is too twee. This isn't what we're into. Fuck off and take it to Disney. He only tries to fuck his mom once. Right. Bro. So they say, take it to Disney. Right. Disney. Disney. And so then they set up a meeting with a Disney exec and he says, and Disney's like, are Sorry, you guys Disney? insane? <laughs> like, you've got this scene with this kid and his mom in his car. This is incest. We can't do this. <laughs> And then Zemeckis, like... And they asked for that in writing right, and go so back walk, to the perks of Paramount Pictures. Like, obviously not, right? <laughs> so then uh, Zemeckis happens to direct this successful pick called Romancing the Stone, apparently successful. I've never fucking heard of it. And then all of a sudden these studios are interested, not because of what's in Back to the Future, but because of it's who Zemeckis. Zemeckis is, right? Yeah. yeah. So then they take it back to Steven Spielberg. And he ends up becoming attached and it kind of goes from there. I thought that was an interesting like start to the script. So I thought that's a good place to kind of... Uh, look at what you think um, of like the storyline and also of the relationships. Marty is a as a character and how he kind of like interacts in this family movie with his mom multiple times, his dad multiple times, um, and also what you think of the performance from Michael J. Fox. I think first of all, I really like the movie. Obviously, mm. I think that the performances are varied now that you ask me about it I think that some of them are quite deliberately goofy and fun in a silly way like I think that Doc uh, played by Martin Christopher yep. Lloyd <laughs> uh, Christopher Lloyd's Doc Brown you said he's almost bird like and he sort of is oh, he yeah. has these very exaggerated Fuck, his eyes are crazy goofy movements and this very sort of gangly build that means he's a very funny physical actor mm. like when he gets shot in the beginning of the movie the way he sort of flops and flies backwards is, is funny like every, yeah. every way he moves is funny and so he's a very larger than life kind of character and so then I think that when you've got the more earnest characters like the mum and the dad, it's kind of hard to tell what part of that is deliberately silly and a bit camp and what part's not. Like, I don't think that I really like Crispin Glover's performance that much. Right. But I think maybe it's just a weird... I think all the performances are weird and campy and some of them pull it off better than others. From what I understand, a lot of the casting decisions that really strongly come across on screen like that were quite intentional on Zemeckis' part. So, like, for example, when they were casting... So, I think you probably know this, but I think a lot of the listeners probably don't. Um... Uh, I was going to say something funny there, but I couldn't think of anything. Um, (laughs) So, like, they originally wanted uh, Michael J. Fox, who ends up being the one that's attached to the film, but then they couldn't get him because he was, and you were telling me this about before we went in, 
Um, they couldn't get him because he was attached to this very famous TV show at the time called Family Ties, right? Yeah. And so he's working on that full time. It's an ongoing TV series. There's like an episode they film every day. Um, so instead, they cast uh, Eric Stoltz, who I only know he's as in, he's in the mask. The dude who. Not the mask. He's in Mask. He's the kid with the fucking oh, in Mask, right? Face. But I know him as the guy who sells John Travolta heroin in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> he's the, or, well, that's my the little thr- black fucking medical book. The three pixels that sell heroin. Yeah, 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 Pixel. right. Um, well, actually, I think that is quite a memorable character. He's like running around in the dressing gown. He's got that red hair and a beard. He looks like Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they shot for five weeks, which is a long fucking time. Yeah. With Eric Stoltz, right? As Marty there's, McFly. Right. There's scenes where you can watch like side by sides of him they're like fully produced scenes of this film and then eventually Zemeckis is just like no this guy's not giving us the performance that we need we're not getting the laughs that we expect right and so that they they end up firing uh, Stoltz because Brutal. he's just not the right kind of comedic actor and they think that Michael J. Fox is and I think that's interesting because like for me he is really funny in Pulp Fiction, so it must just be that something didn't translate from his performance of the script. Yeah, like maybe Zemeckis' writing is like too twee because I think he's a great like sarcastic kind of dark comedy, black comedy character. I can get the idea. Who? Uh, Eric Stoltz. Right. I I get. Yeah. I sort of. Whereas Marty McFly is a lot more of a wholesome, he's really goofy earnest, kind of character. Yeah. Yeah. I get the idea. Maybe from like a creative point of view that if you have got one thing in your head, like he's got it in his head that he wants uh, Michael J. Fox, mm. and then he doesn't. You just I can won't get see the, the idea that you the just, trees. Yeah, you just can't. It's never yeah. going to click with you, and he could have been a perfect performance, but he's just always thinking of Michael J. Fox and can't sort of... I'd like to give Robert Zemeckis more credit than that because he's clearly a great artist and a great director, and he should be able to see the performance. I mean, it's, it's your first right. choice, but firing yeah. your second choice because you, your second choice is not doing what you want is like a pretty bold move. That's crazy. I think so a lot of people would settle for the second choice. They went right? back and reshot shit. You're right. So they got him on, and he was still for the Family Ties. People would only let Michael J. Fox film Back to the Future if uh, every time that if it never interfered with his work of Family Ties. Yeah. So this meant. And this is what you were telling me about, this insane shooting schedule. So he says he was at Family Ties from like 10 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon. So that's like already a seven-hour work day. Yeah. And then he would go and be on set for Back to the Future by 6. Then they would film a 10 or 11-hour day. So he'd be done at like 4 or 5 in the morning. He'd go home, get like maybe a couple of hours of sleep. Load up on speed or some shit. Right, so he was, yeah, apparently just taking uh, Adderall like the whole fucking time. And would be back on set for Family Ties the next day. Yeah. And it's kind of, I don't know, there's something a bit weird about... I want to see that season of Family Ties where Michael J. Fox just looks fucked. Yeah, everywhere's eye pupils just (laughs) dish sources the whole time like god yeah he's just like just fucking yeah. wired up yeah um i'm like he got diagnosed with parkinson's in uh 1991 at yeah. the age of like 29 or something and a, there's a part of me that's like fuck was it that <laughs> like was it the take and speed and staying awake for 22 hours a night for like, <laughs> like eight three fucking years was it yeah. that <laughs> Jesus. Oh, but anyway, yeah. So I think his performance in this film was, I think actually maybe, I mean, he's iconic as a character, but I feel like part of that is the way that he just looks so fitting for Marty McFly. Like there it's is no Marty McFly without, you know, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, it's hard to look past it because he's so iconic, isn't yeah. it? Like it almost, I saw what you mean, like he doesn't really feel very believable. Almost. Yeah, it's. I think his his reactions are cartoonish. He gives a very, I think, like elevated cartoony performance that isn't what I would call, you know, like 
he's not like doing a great character performance or like particularly deep, but it kind of works for the tone of like the a, film. It feels like a caricature. This is someone who wasn't it is alive. Caricature. It feels yeah. like this is someone who's not wasn't alive in the eighties and has never seen Happy Days. But it gives right. me the idea of like a Fonzie kind of performance, maybe. Well, I don't know I what don't kind know. of TV well, show like Family Ties was, but maybe it was that kind of TV show, and maybe a lot of that type of performance was like bleeding across to his Back to the Future performance. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm like, curious about that. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? That, that like 80s cool guy kind of... I don't know how much of it is that Marty McFly is that guy mm. like in history now. Right. Or whether it is that it was influenced by the contemporary stuff that was coming out at the time. But he yeah. is that like quintessential 80s cool dude. Right. right. He's not a jock. He's not a nerd. He's somewhere in the middle. He's like the... Can handle um, anything life throws at him. Like a skater dude. Who's the dude from Breakfast Club? Like the dude's down. Bender. The yeah. dude, from, yeah, the dude from Breakfast Club kind of thing, but not really like a freak like him. I don't know. Like mm. he's just this everyman cool dude who everyone can love mm. in a way that is so so associated with Marty McFly as a person and with uh, Michael J. Fox that it's impossible to sort of see it's, him as he a character. You can't split them out. Yeah, exactly. So, I still enjoy the yeah. performance though. I really like it. And I think, I think it works. He's almost the most vanilla character of the I, whole that's movie. That's what I kind of think. I think he yeah. matches Zemeckis' tone of the rest of the film kind of perfectly. And then like Leah Thompson who plays his mum... Um, Lorraine kind of gives this like I think quite strong performance. She's really funny as well. I yeah, think that all the great. scenes. So in the, I'm not going to explain it. When he goes back to the past, his mum falls in love with him. Right. Um, she plays the horniest woman that's ever lived. But she plays it so funny. But it's so good. It's so and, cheeky and like. And I remember them saying like the the comedy in the performance comes from. So they set up kind of two conditions. Every single character in every single scene is playing it a hundred percent straight. So every character fully is fully invested. Like Doc Brown, he, he, there's not meant to be any humor in his performance from his character's perspective, right? He doesn't yeah. think anything he does is funny, yeah, right? But obviously it is because he's such an insane person. Yeah. <laughs> and then like from uh, Leah Thompson's, so Lorraine's point of view, she has she he's the love of her life she's like she's immediately completely infatuated with him but the way she's she plays the only man for him she has eyes only for him yeah. she's immediately obsessed yeah. but she doesn't see that that's funny at all yeah. and so she is completely obsessed that is a really funny way of putting it seriously obsessed but then where the humour comes from especially in sorry, Fox's yes. performance sorry, yes. please, please. Go and yeah, it's not funny yet shut up no I think that is funny but what doubles it down is that uh, Fox's reactions to everything uh, yeah. where Zemeckis wanted the humour to come from and that's where yeah. Eric Stoltz wasn't working out for them because his reactions to the stuff weren't funny enough Yeah, you know? right. So, but Fox is a really reactive actor he actually doesn't this is what people were saying in this doco that I was watching he doesn't really like necessarily like to bring too much to the scene he really a little bit John Travolta style he loves reacting to anyone else that's around him Yeah, and so his comedic strength and who he actually is I think is more of a reflection of his reactions to everyone else around him rather than being this strong internally motivated character with lots of like traits that you could recognize or anything like that yeah i suppose i never really thought about it he doesn't really have much of a motivation he's nobody yeah yeah he's a funny he's a funny guy in some situations right yeah yeah yeah, right. I never thought about that. The moral compass of the film. Yeah. But that's kind of a self insert for like maybe uh, he's like us the, or the audience director or whatever. In the movie, yeah. Right, exactly. And it's cool because he's cool and stuff, but yeah. um 
And I guess the most that we ever really get of him is like he wants to play rock and roll and like he wants to own his first car and stuff. Like these universal, at the time especially, universal kind of like wishes for people to be recognized, be cool, yeah, play music, have a car, have a girlfriend, whatever, that type of thing. Um, yeah, so I think that's an interesting... It, that's kind of the way that I feel like this film is a bit of an artifact of its time because it's like so archetypal that a lot of the films made nowadays, if they were made like this, would seem... Um, just uh, like trite, like they were ripping off all this kind of stuff because these films were forging that path, obviously inspired by other shit, but for us, forging that path. Um, Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. I I think that's an interesting artifact of of Fox's performance. That is really interesting. I've never really thought about the performance like that before. I really, Mm. I do like it. I think that, I think it all, performance-wise, it all holds up. I think the only thing I have an issue with performance-wise is that I think the old makeup for some characters, looks really bad. I, I always wonder, because we watched it on like a high-quality cinema screen, and I always wonder, like, yeah, but back then, could anyone even tell? <laughs> you know, yeah. Watching on like CRT TVs that are like smaller than a laptop screen I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, to be fair, yeah. when they go back in time, I was surprised by how young Lorraine looks. She looks a lot younger. Oh, yeah. She looked a lot younger and a lot like more like a like a beautiful young woman yeah. that I had expected her to look looking at the old makeup in the beginning of the movie. Right, yeah. I'm not actually sure how old she was when she shot this, but it feels like she would have been like 18, 19. Yeah, like pretty early. <laughs> yeah. Well, considering how you've just talked about how attractive you've been, yeah, fingers crossed. I was really hoping to be able to do some quick maths and indict <laughs> you as fast as possible, yeah. Right. Um, no, yeah, I think um, she... It's funny, I'm not really sure, like, because I don't have the cinematic language of, like, yeah. films that this film would have been influenced by, I'm sure that there were a few shots in this that were that, like, almost, like, um, cinema classics beauty-style shooting of her when you see her young, which is weird because yeah, I'm sure. he's I mean, already the, f- the main character's mum. Yeah. Y- you know, I, it's quite strange that they've chosen to make her that kind of, like, object of beauty. Like, there's a few yeah. times where she's, like, leaning forward and you see her kind of with the boobs out. And um, the point is that, like, someone's perving on her, but then it's not the point that she's his mom in that particular moment. The scene in the car, yeah. so the, 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 the climax of oh, the... Yeah. <laughs> in more ways than one. The climax of Biff, the climax if you know the, what I mean. <laughs> Biff's climax. One of the emotional high points <laughs> in the movie where um, their plot to get... Marty McFly's parents to meet again after he's gone back and They're fucked trying to the make timeline. Crispin Glover, aka his dad, to look like a big tough guy, and so he's like, "All right, I'm going to pretend to be taking advantage of this lady who yeah. is my mom, which is really weird. We I'm can probably bring in a third person that's not her son, sexually to try and assaulting do this. my mom. Right? Yep. Yep. I'm going to try and well, I'm going to actually which sexually assault ha- my yeah, mom. He yes, <laughs> he's actually doing it. He's just yeah, uh, arguably going to stop before it, <laughs> you know, really matters or whatever. <laughs> Um, you come in and stop me at nine o'clock. It's crucial that you interrupt me because I am not going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very weird stuff in this movie. It that is weird, isn't like it? that, but it's yeah. like it, I don't know whether it's lucky or not that it deals with it in a very light-hearted manner. Because if you look at it in the cold light of day as to what it's actually the going on in the movie, is the most right person I've yeah. heard like, so far. You say Marty McFly is going to almost rape his mom? Yeah, and like, and, <laughs> and like yeah, borderline incest is a core part of it. And yeah, the, uh, but barring his judgment, the judgment of a 17-year-old, that would happen 
Oh you know, yeah, he's seventeen as yeah. well. There's so many. It's whatever. real messed up. But, um, um, it, yeah. well, I don't know. My point was. It's kind of wild how such a classic movie has such yeah. a fucked script. Where I feel like it just wouldn't. Yeah. Really, I don't that's know. Why, these days, Will Anderson and this boy, they say the movie is: Would you fuck your mum to save your future? Yeah, but I don't think that's the core question. <laughs> he gets dangerously close because she wants to fuck him. Right, but it's not like his situation would be the future's not the future's dependent on being saved or not is not dependent on whether or not he, he does has, actually he bone ha- his mum. He mom. has to In be fact, pre- boning his mum will ruin his future. He has to be prepared to feel her up for as long as it takes for George to come and stop. Yeah, but that's because if at the any point question. it doesn't feel real, right. she won't feel like George has saved her. Yeah. So he's gotta commit. To it, yeah, yeah. I think I'm disagreeing with a dumb premise with it's a dumber a, disagreement. But yeah, right. Yeah. In any case, um, the he has to mo- do really uncomfortable stuff, what, and he's yeah. not as uncomfortable as he should be. About no, it's it. a, I think that's the only bit that hasn't dated very well. Yeah. Um, the only bit, um, my favorite bit in that scene is right before that shit starts happening, and they're in the car, and he works out that his mum is actually really into him, and probably wouldn't mind if he started to try and like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start something sexual. Yeah, he can't stop looking at her tits. Yeah, it's so <laughs> weird, and it's like it's definitely for me. It's not played. It's not played as him being really uncomfortable about it. It's yeah. him being like, I know it's my mom, but man, <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Because she, she's, she's really some, good at playing this some mind unleashed shit from both of the screenwriters, I think. Yeah. Where they, yeah. Once again, the first draft had that in it. The first draft <laughs> that wasn't as a result of a movie exec being like, "Let's make it really raunchy. Let's do something like, I don't know, uh, what if you went back in time and you met your parents and your mum was mom really was hot." hot. <laughs> first draft. Yeah. No one needed to bring that up. They were like, "No, no, no. The mum must." Must, must be hot. Be hot. <laughs> we got to get a lower cut top. We got to get it for yeah. it. Oh man, the whole time. So funny. in fact, it's got to be a core point of tension in the film that the mum is up for it the whole time. <laughs> I think he looks at his mum's boobs like thirty times. Oh in that yeah, scene. it's um, it's like it's yes, quite uncomfortable. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, his line readings are so iconic as well. Like, oh, you're talking about their reactions, like. He like stumbles over his lines. We're talking so about Rick much and Morty. And Rick and Morty is inspired by this movie, right? Yeah, the impressions of Morty and Rick, like stumbling. Right? Yeah, of course. It's uh, meant to be Justin the, Royal the Doc Brown started and, as Justin Royal's yep. impressions of Doc Brown and Marty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite scene. My favorite line that has been burned in my mind because these podcast idiots said it like a hundred times. Mm. Is the Doc? You're saying my mom's got the hots for me. <laughs> <laughs> So when that happened, it is a really I, crazy line. I had heard right? that line like a hundred times, and it it feels so exposition-y yeah. when, when, when you hear it a, a thousand times. Yeah. Yes, Morty. It's weird when you say it like that. Morty, fuck, Morty. Marty. Um, we had some interesting characters in the cinema with us. Oh, there was someone in the back <laughs> row that felt like they were watching the movie for the first time. But also, just like found a joke in between every joke, oh like my God. really, they were laughing at fucking anything. Like when when, when Doc goes, "Where we're going, we don't need roads," and the car flies, Piss they were like, funny. <laughs> "Piss funny, dude! So funny! I love that bit." Nothing um, makes me more uncomfortable than laughing when, at other people. I love laughing. when the truck, the back of the truck, comes down, oh, and, and like the like, ramp <laughs> comes down, and nothing else happens. It's just the back of the truck coming down, but it's really funny. Yeah, love that bit. Oh yeah, God, it was weird. And then the dude in front of us was like fully cosplaying as Marty McFly, which 
is better as a as as, as a cinema going experience. He was singing along but to Huey Lewis in the news B sides. He was mouthing not not sorry not mouthing like quietly talking along with a bunch of the lines in the film to the point where I was like, shut up, cunt. We get it. You've seen the movie. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, really? I didn't know you're a big fan when you walked in and you <laughs> fucking uh, red <laughs> polar vest, nice life preserver, dipshit. Yeah, yeah. We should have bullied him, <laughs> given him the full Biff experience. <laughs> he oh, would have thanked God. us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, the only one thing that I did not like <sighs> is how so many of the scenes repeat themselves in the future and in the past. Yeah, it's sort of like Tenet. <laughs> Um, Which I also didn't like Fuck No but like The bit Specifically the bit Where Biff uh, Biff Goes like Hello McFly Anyone home McFly (laughs) Where you You see that scene like um, And it's a joke Because he's done it before Yeah Yeah yeah, yeah, it's, I it's just, just flashback. It's just humor, annoying. As not soon even as clever, yeah, because the character of Biff Tannen is, I think he's a fine character, but the character yeah. itself is so great. Played by Tom Wilson, and feels like such a. I think he's actually an incredibly iconic character. Yeah, it, but it, also it apparently Tom Wilson is like the opposite of that in real life. He's like yeah. a giant sweetheart, like really <laughs> he's, gentle, he's but then he's this tool. fucking massive dude who's just got this persona of like yeah. a, a roided up shithead whose eyes are <laughs> popping out of his skull at all times. <laughs> it's actually really good. Like I feel like he's he occupies like this archetypal part of my brain. I think he's the least believable bully on screen though. Like <laughs> yeah, no one maybe. no one he's meant no to be like bullied like the, that. He's the he's he's bully cordial. He's like the pure concentrate of school bully. Let me speak like as an expert on what it's like 90s. to be bullied in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. But we didn't have bullies that did that type of shit. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. It's like you're watching it as like, hello McFly. And I like, would love to have to see like historical footage of someone in America being bullied like that in school. Be like, <laughs> oh fuck, it really happened like that. That's crazy. Yeah. Damn. Like when you see slow motion fire and it looks like real fire and you go, oh, yeah, CG exactly. fire is good. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't really know how that relates, but yeah, sure. Oh, thank you. No, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll explain it off air. It's confusing. <laughs> okay, There's great. several logical leaps that I haven't <laughs> yeah, yet. Yeah, that I feel like I didn't yeah, come no. across. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I think Tom Wilson is fantastic as Biff. Crispin Glover, as you said, gives a... A weird performance and has been doing since he was born, I think. I think, I think that's just the man. <laughs> I think Crispin Glover... See, Crispin Glover's character he is this deliberately awkward character. George McFly, my A lot McFly's of, like, dad. the way he laughs is annoying and not <laughs> believable. <laughs> it's... Yeah, like, it's so it's annoying. insane. And insane so, performance. So unbelievable. And then... But you are also like, fuck, this dude sucks. And then this- Marty has to... That's his dad, you yeah. know, right? Yeah. And he's this annoying, but he's this pathetic wet blanket of a character. So maybe it's all supposed to go with it and it's this creative I think choice. So. I think so. I think Biff Tannen and George McFly are my two least favorite characters right. in the movie, if right. only because they're both frustrating. Frustratingly unbelievable in their in their own ways, which yeah. is what was making me think. I was thinking out loud about the characters being deliberately goofy or not. Like I think so. You have to. You, you have to accept the fact that they're all deliberately goofy, but there's enough moments of a bit a bit more realism in it that mm. it makes it frustrating when these goofy characters are they come back on screen in the wrong like, way. This guy, yeah, yeah. Uh, fun fact: Crispin Glover. The reason his character is dead in part two, that he's a tombstone, um, is because he asked for more shit, like an unreasonable amount of shit. Apparently, according to the studio, and the studio was like, "No, nah, we'll just kill your character." Yeah, but did you know that? What they did with the face of Crispin Glover in number two? They're like, turned him upside down, right? That's why they put him in the 
in the floating thing. They needed no. I think he has long. I think he is a character that walks around for part of the movie. They got another act- actor and made like a fucking Mission Impossible rubber mask of Crispin Glover's face. I thought they in this doco that I was watching because like I think his dad is in it for part of it, but he's yeah. an elderly man and he's in that like spinal brace where he's held upside oh, down. I don't know. At in, all in, in any in case, time? they faked his face right. and they lost a lawsuit when Crispin Glover sued them for using his <laughs> likeness. <laughs> That's crazy because they didn't want to. Exactly right. They didn't want to pay him, and so they just like maybe this was their bit, first solution, and yeah. then they just cast someone else and held them upside down all the time, so you can never tell well, that it wasn't Crispin Glover. <laughs> this is showing how much <laughs> less I have seen Back to the Future Two than I've seen Back to the Future One, yeah. but like it goes back. To the no, future. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's se- sequences in Back to the Future 2 where Crispin Glover needed to be in it and he wasn't, so they faked it and put like another actor there's with his scenes face. Where Tenet style, they watch <laughs> themselves doing yeah. stuff in other. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not aware of it in the first movie, but in the second movie, they're watching themselves yeah. from the future, yeah. watching themselves in the past, which is the future, but it's actually the past. I want to die. Yeah. Yeah, so like probably tenet. those scenes, like t- tenet style. Yeah, yeah, and like that. Yeah, so there's the, you're right. They probably had to get people doing that shit, but yeah. Um, and there was this crazy thing where they all, they were like, "You can't fucking do that." And I'm like, "Oh, can you do that?" And the judge decided, yeah. "No, you can't. No, do that. you can't impersonate him." Um, uh, yeah, I just love the the idea of like him being like, "Can I get like um sandwiches in my trailer?" And they're like. Just kill him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, what kind of sandwiches? No, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, don't worry. We'll, we'll find a way. Yeah. Um, the music, I think... of... Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, actually, let's talk about the music quickly. The, All the music in this movie fucking rocks. Well, I forgot that, like, the first time people saw this movie was the first time they'd heard the Back to the Future theme, you know? Such because, a good... Man. Is it John Williams? Uh, I don't know. Let me, let me find out real quick, but it might as well be, because it's... Very memorable. It's such a good theme. All the yeah. little interstitials, like the yeah, God. yeah all the, the music interstitials with like the um. I'm not doing it. The little trills. And we can insert it in the little mysterious noise. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> the little mysterious noises when they um. Yeah, that that is a very eighties. Thing, I think to have little Inserting music fills yeah. when weird stuff happens or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Uh, music by. Why am I scrolling? Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, Huey Lewis and the News with the power. No, of- Alan Silvestri. Oh, that rings a bell. Yeah, I'll bet it does because I just said it. <laughs> Huey Lewis and the News with the Power of Love. That's such a he was fucking composer great, for like- Avengers Endgame, which I'm assuming you're such oh, a big fan of that that's where you can remember him from. But he oh. also did Predator, Forrest Gump, Polar Express, uh, a lot of shit. Oh yeah, he did my favorite movie, The Polar Express. No, yeah, real good. Um, yeah, no, but it's it's such it's such an iconic score. The soundtrack is great with all the um like Huey Lewis songs. So the Power of Love, I think, right. is such a cool opening song when he's skateboarding along. It's a great montage. The montage of him skateboarding through, uh, whatever Hill Valley, in. yeah, to uh, the Power of Love is so iconic, and it never gets old. I've yep. seen that scene heaps. Yeah, I think the music, like I I I agree with the idea that um. John Williams is the biggest creative mind behind the Star Wars franchise. And I think this comes close. Where, like, the score is... It's probably not quite that strong, but the score is a core... It's 
uh, character in this movie. Yeah. You know, like it, it does just as much towards making you feel certain ways at certain points in time. John Fantastic. Williams, the third George Lucas of the 1980s. <laughs> uh, John Williams, the second George Lucas of the 1980s, right after Fuck, Robert, Robert Zemeckis. Fuck, Robert got bumped down to third. No, Robert Zemeckis is number one. George Lucas is the third George Lucas yeah, of the 1980s? John Williams is the second George Lucas of the 1980s. <laughs> way more responsible for the way that... George Lucas doesn't even shit. get top billing on George Lucas's of nope, the 1980s. John Williams is That's a better brutal. George Lucas than George Lucas. And I'll stand by that shit. And we've got ourselves an episode title on everything. <laughs> um, I wonder if there's a character limit. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, we're about to find out. Um, if we say George Lucas one more, he's going to pop through that mirror and kill us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so speaking of Back to the Future 2, well, I really thought... You're an idiot. ...in this movie... That they went to the future. You're an I idiot. was very ready for the Jaws hologram. I was oh, very man. ready for the, the hoverboard. hoverboard. I was ready to see Biff Tannen get covered in manure multiple times. We were about wrong. It only happens once. We were about seventy minutes into this movie. Oh yeah, we were a and while. And I was like, "Fuck, this is going to be a long movie." Andrew Lee nobody <laughs> me and goes like, "When do they go to the future?" I said, "I'm not fucking with you." Do they go to the future in this movie? And you laughed, <laughs> and I knew that the answer was no. But I, I, but I, but I still, until that point, was not sure. See, what you're missing is that when they're in the 1950s, <laughs> they have to go back to the future. Yeah, but I thought they went back to 2019, and then back to 1985. No, otherwise the movie would be called To the Future, <laughs> but, and then and back, back again to the present. It's not the fucking Hobbit, bro. It's it's. It's it's back to but the future. But when they go back to the future part two, do they go back to twenty nineteen? Or do they just go to twenty nineteen and then go back to twenty eight uh, nineteen eighty five? I don't I've got to watch number two again. I right. don't remember. Well, Mr. Smartass, you think you know everything. Apparently they don't go back to the future in all of the <laughs> back to the futures. So Well they go back to the future in the third one. Yeah, I know. Because yeah. they're going backwards. Right. But in the second one, so they're going forwards. Two, they're going back to the future, which right. is the third but that movie. Means in Back to the Future Part 2, they may well not go back to the future. And you are making fun of me for that. No, because at some point they're in the 50s watching themselves. So they must be going back to the future. Checkmate. Okay, right. Well, that means in every movie they go back to the future. Fine. But the right. core point is that they're going back to the past or the present. <laughs> Back to the present. Back to the part present. Part two. So, yeah, I really thought in this movie that I was going to see the hoverboard and shit. And I think that just means now you I need to watch You found out 70 minutes in that you were the stupidest person in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You apparently. thought it was the dude in the back row laughing at the shit gags. Yeah, no. It's like, man, they have a better grasp on this series than me. No, I think I must have watched the second one a bunch. Because I, I think I've probably only seen the first one once. But I know I've seen the second and third one more than once. And I think I just thought that those were the iconic moments in the series. Yeah. The, the hoverboards and shit. Um so yeah, I think I'm gonna have to watch the rest of them and 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 get my fix on Future Tech from four years <laughs> get ago. Get my heroin fix yep. while I watch Back to the Future. Yeah, better talk to uh, Eric Stoltz. Huh? <laughs> huh? Yep. Yeah, we're done. Better talk to Eric Stoltz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like we haven't been very cohesive or very coherent about uh, Back to the fuck, Future. It's a fucking it twenty-five-year-old movie. <laughs> we had fun watching it. Yeah. You should have fun. It's a pretty good Do you movie. Watch it as well? Worth a rewatch. Apparently, that is the strongest of the three. So, if you're only going to watch one, I think the first one's on Netflix and the other two are not. Brutal. So, well, I have all three of them on Blu-ray. Nice. So we've got no problems. Very there. nice. You, you got all of them. You got one thousand and eighty pixels worth on every single one of those <laughs> discs. Brutal. Blu-ray is only ten. Only ten eighty. I know it's fucked. 
It's really yeah. messed up. It's really thrown me. Cause now I got a like one of them one of them fancy 4K TVs. I'm like, I'm only using a like, quarter of like, them. God, this Blu-ray looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for Australian people, I've looked it up. Uh, Back to the Future One is on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Okay. Back to the Future Two is also on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Great. And Back to the Future <laughs> Three now. is only on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Why? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, those that that type of shit makes me way angrier than it should. Which means that someone at Netflix literally had to look at the metrics and go like, "Well, we're not paying for the third one." Yeah, Fuck no, that. absolutely not. Or it's like it's some other dumb problem. Like the third one had a different distribution company that's gone bust and been bought <laughs> up by some third fucking company. That's like, no, oh, it'll cost you a billion dollars. Speaking of going bust, yeah, let's bust on out of here. <laughs> yeah, let's do Hugh Willis in the news has probably been playing for the better part of the last fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in looping. <laughs> yep. Uh yeah. Good movie. Worth worth uh worth going in on. Can, can you think of whole big eighties hallmarks classics that this would be up there with? I think that this is better than Ghostbusters. It's better than E. T. Damn. I'll say that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You think Back to the Future is better than Ghostbusters? Yeah. Wow. But Ghostbusters is good though. You should watch Ghostbusters. Yeah. Ghostbusters is good. I've Ghostbusters already seen something that's better than it. Why Ghostbusters, would I watch it? I think Back to the Future is very, <laughs> very. I think Ghostbusters is not funny. It's more of like a, like a. I've said cute a lot, but it's like a very eighties style action movie, right? Kind of. I very, think Ghostbusters it's like a goofy, is not having seen it. I think Ghostbusters is trying way harder to be funny. No, than there this. are like three jokes. Like the yeah, but the, they cast the main, Bill Murray. The main joke in. Ghostbusters is that Bill Murray does a lot of eye rolls and that dickless joke. Right. Have you I seen? seen it? So I don't oh, know that's great. That. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> okay. Let me let me recite this joke for you before nope. we wrap up. <laughs> I'm cutting. Yeah. I'm cutting. Think, <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters, I think, is fun, but I think this is a lot more fun and a lot funnier and sort of holds up maybe a lot better than Ghostbusters does. Mm. In terms of a West End, I don't know. In terms of other 80s classics, I really, really liked The Thing. Oh, yeah, but that's... Not even close to trying to do the same no. thing. No. So, I, I think in terms of the... Uh, I think, for me, the holy trinity of these movies is Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, and Back to the Future. Okay. So, this is worse than Jurassic Park, I think. I think I, think I like this better than I like Jurassic Park. Damn. Yeah. Wow. I love dinosaurs, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Enough that, regardless of whether or not it's a better movie, I'm putting Jurassic Park above it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that's probably my, my, my better than worse than is. I think this is better than E.T., worse than Jurassic Park. All right, similar movies on IMDb. This also has uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, which I enjoyed no, more than this. No, fuck IMDb. I'm happy with my Holy Trinity. The Matrix, which I enjoyed more no, than this. No, this is an insane list. This is an insane list. Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. No, insane list. Ghostbusters, <laughs> Jurassic Park, Back to the Future. Those Damn. are the, that, That's the holy trinity that's of it. 80s kids movies. Oh, this was like way better than Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump fucking sucks. As I think a, it's right. as a man. I, think, movie. I think Forrest Gump hasn't dated very well and this one is good. I agree. I think it's dated even more poorly than it's aged in years. <laughs> Speaking of aging years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can we wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. Email us beefstationpod at gmail.com you can join in on the Facebook page links are in the description next week I swear to Christ we're doing heat yes we, we're, we're going to go watch in heat row. in the cinema it was a bad coincidence this week last week it was laziness it's a bad coincidence because we cancelled it one because once because of Tenet mm. again because of this this yeah. week we're watching heat I we, promise we're you we're going heat. to go and see it in a real big boy cinema yep. and then we're going to 
talk to you about it through these microphones, we promise. So if if it's not heat, we're just not ever doing another episode ever again. <laughs> the next episode we do must be heat or else we're never doing it again. Thank you for listening to what is the final episode of Beef Station. Yeah, it's been nice knowing you. I've been Oscar. I've uh, been Andrew. Captain always goes down this ship. Bye. 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 It's heat. It's the power of love.